Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. We have a new episode. We have a new story from H22, the making of Smarter City. It's a big pleasure for me to welcome a new storyteller to the podcast. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Nicholas, to Urbanistica podcast. Hey, and welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Very good. How was how was your summer? Oh, it was vacation. very very pleasant. Uh, I uh, actually decided to have uh, seven weeks of full vacation. Seven weeks, too many, no? Yeah, but, well, we we know that <laughs> we knew already from the beginning of the summer that uh, we we're gonna have a hectic uh, fall here. So um, that's why I decided to just take the vacation when I could and when the weather was nice. So. Yeah, it was very good. That's good. So, so you're fully charged. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm pumped up. Yeah. That's awesome. But did, did you had the chance to travel abroad, or you stayed in Sweden? I traveled, and as soon as we I had gotten our both uh, vaccine shots, we went to Mallorca in Spain for one week, and then in the end of our vacation, we went to Crete in the Greek islands for one week also. That's amazing. And now back to the city. And now back to the city. Exactly. Yes. So, Niklas, you are our storyteller for this episode. How would you like to introduce yourself and please tell us about your passion? Uh, well, my name is Niklas Madsen, uh, born and raised out of two Danish parents in Sweden. Um, I'm Danish and Swedish, uh, one foot in each country. Uh, I have a huge passion for uh, innovation, um, research, uh, science, uh, music, um, skateboarding, snowboarding, action sports, uh, adrenaline uh, sports. Um, yeah, and that's, that's me, basically. That's a good combination of, of passion. It's a good uh, recipe. Yeah. It's, a lot of adrenaline. It's a, it's a broad uh, <laughs> perspective of things, at least. Yeah. May I ask you, like, your, your passion to innovation and science, when did it start? Um, well, when I think back um, to my childhood, I think it started very, very early, um, very early on. Um, I remember from being, uh, you know, five to six years, I was born actually up north in Sweden, in Borlänge, uh, where there's a lot of uh, winters, a lot of snow. And, and I remember sitting in the snow at four or five years old, playing in the snow, creating, uh, you know, snow sled things where I could uh, drop my, my, my Hot Wheel cars. <laughs> uh, so construction of things and you know how to bend you know wood and you know just simple things when you're playing with as a kid uh, started very early on interest me so 
and then it, you know as i you grew up it's you know it grows more and more into uh, more advanced stuff of course exactly and now you're part of super lab would you like to share with us like the the the, the background of what of the super lab and also what's the aim of it yeah so super lab uh, was uh, conducted about seven years ago and prior to that i had been running my own the industrial design company for 10 years uh, and when i had that company uh, when i was doing my one-man band thing uh, i got very interested of doing a product design uh, for furniture for interior design projects and i took the process of uh, industri industrial design product development processes and I brought that into when I was doing an interior design project and I realized the moment when you have a deep analysis of things when you have raw data and you have research behind your thesis and ideas uh, it's very difficult for a client to say no and the power of having something to lean on why things should look at a certain way got very, very intrigued. Uh, I got very intrigued about it. So when I had been doing my business for 10 years, I realized that you know, combination of, I was doing an experiment with a psychology student. I was doing interesting experiments with a computer nerd and, Different things happened, and suddenly one day I just realized, you know, creating this company, Superlab, where research and data and science is behind of everything of why uh, would be very interesting. And that's how, you know, I started Superlab uh, seven years ago. That's amazing. So, so, so you scale it up from, from one man band to like a group, to a lab, basically. Exactly, to a more of, of having different um, expertise of people coming in. So today we have one um, architect, uh, our interior design architect. We have one product developer, furniture, you know, wood maker, furniture designer, and one interior conceptual strategist person. And then me as, you know, whatever I am doing now, <laughs> more of a, you know, I'm more of a traditional CEO, but uh, and design manager. But you know, the idea of having a company, we have different expertise within it, um, is is very very interesting. And 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 a very interesting approaches happen to each project because every everyone has their own perspective of things. Mm. But tell me, Nicholas, like where is the boundary between? data and numbers and the comfortability colors design creativity like do i feel comfortable when i base my design when you base your design only on numbers or do, do you do you understand what i yeah absolutely and and that is more of the interesting thing that we see ourselves as a modern laboratory where we we experiment with data and research and science and knowledge and, and try to implement that into physical, tangible, you know, products that are, are ready for the future. So for instance, if we're designing a chair, I mean, there are tons of chairs out there. True. We don't need another chair. 
No. The chair needs to have somewhat of a new feature, new aspect, new something that can innovate and make it into a, a chair that's actually needed for now. And everything becomes more and more complex of how we produce, how we manufacture, how we recycle, how we reuse. Um, new aspects happen constantly uh, and are changing around us. And especially now a post-corona situation where everybody is going back to their old office with new habits. So everything will change. So by bringing in the, the science and data and knowledge of things when you're creating new whatever it is, it's, I think we think definitely that is the future. That is something that you definitely have to work around. Yeah. So you believe that the, the million chairs that we have is not really suitable for our behavior and our time now, today? Absolutely. I, I would say this. There's a lot of furniture pieces that are definitely timeless. Yeah. But there's tons of furniture that are total crap, <laughs> that are useless, that are pointless that are just made for making money that are not made for being sustainable they're not made for growing with evolution what's happening around us so i think that yeah you need to design more chairs but they need, need to be more thoroughly made with a deeper knowledge of what's happening in the in the future do you do you believe that the now we're talking about the chairs like the product that you design are timeless or only fits to to our life today well we try to make things timeless and that is the biggest challenge of doing product design to have a a, a non-existing expiration date on things and uh, that is everyone's goal i think i hope that are working with the product development or design or any architecture whatever it could be but that is also something that is the most difficult thing to to hit to hit the right you know, material, the shape, whatever that will be suitable. But I think just to have the aim for it constantly in each project is, is something that is really, really good enough. Um, to not just make something, ah, this is a McDonald's toy that you know that your kid will use it a minimum of short of time for hours probably, and then you will throw it away and it will just be an annoying thing at your house. Uh, so I think that there's there's good design and there's bad design. Yes, of course. And now I, what I see, like you're talking about the future and timeless, you're partnering up with H22. So why are you choosing to do that? Well, the, the, the minute I heard something about this city expo in H22 in, in our hometown, Helsingborg, um, we contacted Soraya, the project. When It was actually this. She changed her title in linkedin and i contacted and i contacted i think we were one of the first ones to contact her three years ago or something i love linkedin yeah where i just said i don't know what it is but we want to be a part of it <laughs> and i think that's also i mean we look into uh, um we, we look into a lot of, of interesting projects uh, especially when they're happening here in our hometown uh, can be can we be involved in developing our own city? You know that we love. I'm in. You know, any minute I'm in on it. Definitely. 
So for you, it's about de- developing your own your hometown or home city. It's it's about developing our own hometown, and if the opportunity is there, and the city politicians and the mayor and and everyone is behind a, a, a crazy idea as H22 has become, I'm definitely in. It's it's something where there's opportunities to be a part of something that is very big and interesting and can be uh, like something that people will look back to and say, wow, there's there's something that's before age 22 and then there's after age 22 and it's a big shifting point. Yeah, so it's making history. Definitely. I think I think this will make history, even though that we don't see it right now, but in the future, it, it, we will look back at as the H55 Expo did. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, a, a certain standpoint when it comes to Scandinavian design, so especially uh, when you look back at it right now. So um, I think this, uh, this Expo will be in the same caliber. That, that's amazing. And I think so too. Can you, Nikos, can you share with us what are the projects that you're working on, like in in the in connection to H22 Expo? Absolutely. So for uh, about three three years ago, three four years ago, um, we uh, we wrote a book called The Playful Office, and uh, during the process of writing that book, one of the theses we came up with was that our office buildings or office environments we're working uh, in at that point prior to Corona, uh, they're not healthy for us. There are a lot of research uh, proving that, you know, lighting is bad for us, ventilation and the air quality is bad, even if it's a new building and so on and so on. So the thesis was, why are we not working outside? Outside. So the, yeah. So the concept basically came upon us that why 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 isn't there any urban offices? Why why isn't there any furnitures that are made for working outside? A work desk and a work lounge and you know tables for meetings and so on. Because there's a lot of research showing that uh, health benefits of us being outside in nature, getting fresh air, we, you know, the human body is made of uh, for you know, being around the sun, you know, chemical rhythms and everything. So we started this project of creating furnitures for uh, office furniture for outdoor um, environments. So our idea was that for H22 is to create um, whole the whole city of Helsingborg to create that into an urban office environment, and. Um, Right now, as we speak, we have actually a prototypes of our first office desk in Fredrikstad here in Helsingborg, where people can apply and go there and uh, try them out to try out how is it to actually work outside. Um, and it's the middle of nature. Uh, so you're standing there working and it's a, it's a mind blowing experience, experience to be there and, and, and trying it out actually. Um, I can imagine. Can, can you can you can you explain to our listeners how how does it look like? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things for us when we were designing these uh, furniture pieces was that we needed to have the science and the knowledge behind it. 
So it's super lab. Uh, exactly. So what we did was we Googled around a little bit and um, we got very excited when we found, found a woman uh, uh, that was working with the exact same of ideas from Malmö University. Uh, so we contacted Charlotte Peterson Troje that was had been doing a long, long, long research, and she was in the middle of a huge research of finding out um, what happens with us when we are working outside. Uh, do we take in knowledge better, or what's what's happening around it? So we collaborated with her and got all her data around her research to basically develop these uh, office pieces. So they look, one of the big things was that they need to look like an office desk. The, the, the traditional office desk where you have uh, more like a modern one where you have side um, absorbent around your desk more or less. But the, the big, we, we realized that from you know, talking to her and doing a lot of interviews that the perception of what work is is something that needs to be in a visual aspect in the furniture pieces. So for them to look like an office desk was very, very uh, important. And of course, uh, they, they are uh, 120 uh, centimeters wide. Uh, there's one where you can sit down in a, in a chair to work, very normal height. And then there's a standing desk also for standing up for ergonomical choices, if you want to stand up and work in order to sit down. And um, as we're doing right now for the prototypes, uh, and as the funny thing is that as we have been looking around in the internet for three years now, when we've been doing this project, um, we realized when we launched the products in, in February this year, there, uh, it's the world's first uh, office desk for outdoor use. Oh, wow, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Great job. Yeah, so, um, and so, so basically our project is to come try to combine other spots around the city that could be suitable for working, to find uh, a park bench where you have good uh, city Wi-Fi. Um, and we're collaborating, collaborating with um, an app uh, that's named Avayu, where you basically can find urban office spots in your city. So we have different projects going on to try to create uh, Helsingborg city into an urban office environment to a huge co-sharing uh, space. I love it. Let's, uh, let's talk more about the details, but because I imagine this needs infrastructure when it comes to electricity, um, I don't know, other type of needed things. How do you solve this? Challenges. Okay. So yeah, we have done a lot of research around this. Of course, if you're around an office desk that's in the middle of your city environment, there's uh, different things that you would need if you're going to stay there for a longer period of time. And uh, of course, power, uh, internet uh, is two sources that you definitely need. And then because we're in the south of Sweden and we have... Uh, bad weather most of the time <laughs> where it's rain wind and other things you you need somewhat of sunshade you need probably rain you know weather shades so those are the aspects we're looking into right now how can we integrate this into the the furniture pieces so it will look nice and be you know suitable for the city environment and everything so 
so yeah, we have been looking into all the aspects that's and, and what's needed. And that's why we're why we're prototyping testing them right now here in Fredrik's So people can go up there and we have a, a small uh, a small survey you can do after you have been working there. You can scan a QR code and fill in some information. So we are still gathering information and data what people want and need around them. So so you now you're experimenting now we're experimenting and for you know trying to figure out new um details and new products and add-ons that so the, the the product will be as good as possible for next summer for the h222 expo that's awesome nicholas do you imagine that you will not end up end up with a box um what do you see if you see like if you look into the future yeah well in the sense of what do you mean? Like, 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 like the, the design of the furniture, mm. because now you're talking about weather protection, electricity, Wi-Fi. Yeah. So all this needed like to be part of the design in the end, like maybe it's going to end up with like a, a box. Absolutely not. I think that the whole idea of standing outside in nature where you have, you know, the full height up to the sky. Exactly, exactly. That is the whole uh, experience. That is the because a lot of things it's the perception of what work is that you need to change and the, the pandemic uh, the corona pandemic we have experienced everyone has experienced right now has changed our you know perception of what work is for us and now is the time for um, companies to actually try out and open up and and let your employees to Try to work from different places. You know, what is the benefit of your staff working in the middle of a park in a city? What can happen? What can be the new ideas or new businesses of whatever it can be? What, what can they bring back to the company? And so I think the timing and the interesting thing is that we did this before Corona. Yeah, but, this is the, the very cool thing. But mm -hmm. the pandemic really just took off. Uh, so now it's a huge, huge, uh, you know, interest for, uh, you know, working on different, uh, you know, remote working in general and wherever it is, you know, we need to try to create the new spaces for it. Yeah. So you basically are introducing not only the furniture, but like the whole way of rethinking the workplaces. Exactly. Yeah. It's and that is also what we've been working on for you know the past 10 years in general and with Superlab is that to rethink work constantly try to you know push the boundaries of what work is for people and trying to uh, design work environments that are suitable for a certain type of work um and um so yeah we do a lot of research when it comes to this and 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 see possibilities just like the urban office collection of of furniture pieces yeah and now like i'm reflecting uh, as an urban planner I, I guess you also see our cities like too busy with different objects and now like we have the electrical bikes we need to fix like a parking for them and you introducing a new infrastructure to our city like the the outdoor offices do you have a specific places to place them do you have a criteria where should they be placed or no well see it's very interesting you bring this up because uh we talk a lot to a lot of city planners and architects and and urban planners uh, about this because the 
the way we plan our cities in the future needs to change dramatically just by the electrical scooters you're bringing up. I mean, micro trips of different uh, transportation vehicles. We need to plan our cities, you know, for the future. What might be the next, uh, you know, transport of uh, device we're going to be in? So I think the the way we plan cities in the future need to um, rethink itself and redevelop it, itself by thinking where is you know, work actually being conducted? Is work in an office space or can work be conducted in, uh, in a bus stop? Um, because uh, again, the definition of what work is for me and for what I'm doing has become more of the you know the transition of being activity based working where you change your whole office into different zones depending on what work you're doing now it's it's going out in our city environments you know our our homes has become an office space for the past 2 years almost so office and work is something that is being conducted everywhere and that is you know, challenging um, city planners definitely because I think we need to rethink where, where should we place um, office furniture for outdoor use? Well, where it's needed. Okay, so you don't have a specific place. Like let's say, no, it should be in the park under a tree or next to the, um, I don't know, water. Well, I mean, uh, we're experimenting with all different types of things. And I think it depends on what work you're doing. Because sometimes you want to be in nature to work. And there's introverted persons that need to be, they want to be alone with them when they're doing their work. And then you have people that want to be in a city where there's active and people coming around and they need to get influences. So I think uh, a work desk, for uh, outdoor use, could be placed in the park, but it could also be placed in the middle of a you know, of, public square. Yeah, public square somewhere. Yeah, or as you mentioned, like in a bus station. Yeah, where it's needed, actually, and I think where it's needed. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now we're talking to a lot of real estate uh, company and develop real estate developers, and they see, of course, the opportunity of placing them in in um, in housing environments where basically people live that, you know, suddenly right now we have had the pandemic, everyone has been sitting inside and a lot of people have not been able to manage to do their work, you know, properly because they probably are living in a small apartment. Imagine if you could um, provide an outdoor office in, you know, furniture just outside next to the, the children's park, the playground. So your children will be playing in the playground and you can actually be there working because that's what you're doing next to your child. Even anyways, you're still, you're on your phone, you know, looking at something, checking emails on Instagram, whatever it is. Why not just being there showing also that I'm actually working right now, but I'm, I'm still here having contact with my kid. It's a problem that we have in society. So why not, you know, doing it full on? What do you think about also the, the, what do you call it? The mini co-working spaces, like not the large one in the city center. Do you think they will like be the co-working space in the future? Absolutely. I mean, co-sharing is the biggest trend that's happening right now. Now where 
companies are opening up their own headquarters and creating them into an open space for their clients, partners, and, and even letting you know, other people from you know, just the street to come in. So I think the concept of a co-working space, the definition of that will change automatically with new ways of working. And I think a co-working space could have a, an, um, a satellite set up in a park with a bunch of outdoor furnitures and you can book them on their platform basically. So I think it's gonna be an extended arm for a lot of co-working spaces where they can provide, they can buy the products and they can provide it for their, um, their community. So I think it will be um, a, a, a natural development of co-working yeah. basically. And, and as you know, as the listeners know, like big ideas takes uh, time to be implemented and also big challenges you're, fa- you're gonna face during the journey because you're creating something new. So what are the challenges that you're facing now in order to make this happen? Well, I think that we had a bigger challenge before Corona. I mean, it, before Corona, we saw that every time we showed the products um, for companies at least, they were like, well, we want to, you know, you know our, our employees to have their own work desk and, we want them to be there and they had different perspective what work is now i see it as um you know thanks to corona if you could say that but i think that now we have a, a wind in our sail that people are urging to actually have new environments of working they're tired of being in a cafe they're tired of being in their apartments I, I think that our challenges is to, um, you know, get get uh, urban planners and architects to understand that this is a new way of looking at uh, and planning, uh, you, know, the, you know, whatever projects they're working with. This is a new tool of and how you're going to work with this tool to, you know, create something that are, are good for the environment or the city or uh, whatever it could be. I think that is a challenge. And then, of course, the infrastructure is, is another challenge. There are a lot of cities that don't have city Wi-Fi. Mm. So there, there are, you know, a lot of, of course, there's a lot of challenges when, as you said, when you want to uh, rethink or re-involve uh, something, you know, but uh, I think we have a lot of um, positive uh, wind in our sails. So this could could be a, a great phenomenon that and then it would be something that would be very cool that would that it comes out of, of Helsingborg in Sweden. Yeah. Niklas, do you think that you're you're alone in this and like nobody believing in the idea? Absolutely not. Uh, and I know from just us posting the, the products in February. And before that, we got contacted by by a, a, a Dutch community that's called the Outdoor Office uh, Day. And that's the 27th of May that they have set up and they have uh, big maps of Amsterdam where there's good spots where you can work. So there's a lot of people in the, sci- in the same uh, philosophy basically. So by just us posting the, the things on LinkedIn, on social media, we get a lot of responses from from architects in in Spain, in in Argentina, and from different countries all over that are just, oh my God, what a great idea! This is when can you bring this to our country? You know, so um, we know that this is something that a lot of people are interested in. 
Mm. So tell tell our listeners that are going to visit Helsingborg next summer, mm. what will they see? Well, um, hopefully they will, if they go in and follow us on, on social media, they, will, they can see where they can go, where they can book uh, an office space, uh, where they can d- book different uh, meeting rooms. We, we have a, another project actually uh, that we're doing with Turin's. Uh, that we are creating uh, actual rooms that are mobile that are going to be placed around in the city that you can book to actually host a, a presentation for something, uh, your meeting, uh, if you need a separate space uh, that can be placed anywhere in the city also. So we have uh, the whole urban office uh, philosophy is something that we will push and hopefully you can feel it also around in, in, in the city, you know, during the expo and after, of course. That's amazing. I'm looking re- actually forward to be there and to try it and to experience. You're more than welcome to come, <laughs> of course. Thank you. Thank you. Will you be there in Helsingborg during the expo? Yes, we will definitely be here during the expo. And we have uh, a lot of other interesting things that we might set up, actually. So um, if you follow us on on Instagram and, and LinkedIn, you can see all the interesting stuff that we will be hosting during the expo. That's amazing. So what's the plan after the expo? New evolution, new revolution. <laughs> We're going to look into <laughs> another things, of course. But well, the expo is the starting point, I hope. Uh, I hope this is the test bed where we can try out things. And our goal is, of course, to get a lot of other cities and other mayors and politicians to understand that this is something that's interesting that we can bring to to other countries of course and other cities and um yeah i I really hope that this the expo will be a starting point of something that's that's huge so so for you the expo h22 in helsenborg is the kickoff to scale it up to the world definitely absolutely yeah that's uh that's uh that's our goal at least that's awesome. And now you mentioned like scaling it up and talking again about the future cities. So when you imagine the city of the future, what do you picture as the most exciting change? Well, definitely, I think there's um, a combination of a very high tech city with a very deep contact to nature. I think that is a future city for me. Because I think that um, the digital layer that that we have surrounded around us is it's going to be there, you know, and and it's something we want to be in contact with wherever we are. Even if we're in the middle of nature, my wife goes, "Hey Google," you know, uh, because <laughs> she show, she's so into it to, to you know ask Google of different things, just of what's the temperature or whatever, you know. I think. The habits that we have in the digital world which, which is something that we want to have in a new smart city. With that said, I truly, truly believe a smart city has nothing to do with the digital layer. <laughs> really? <laughs> I really think that a smart city has nothing to do with digital and uh, you know, digitalizing things. I think a smart city has to do with smart behaviors of human beings being in the city. I think that um, a a smart city should, you know, 
be an opportunity for human beings living there to, you know, do acts, create, um, you know, to be able to do the things that actually can create the city because a city is the life in between the buildings for me. And if there's no life in be between the buildings, it's a dead city. And then it's, a, not, a, it's not a smart city. So a, a city that can create life in between the buildings uh, and, and the environments around, I think uh, it's gonna be a smart city. So the digital layer is something that's just there, but it's, it's, it's not everything. It's definitely not everything. Yeah, I got your point. And now you're introducing also, as I mentioned in the beginning, like a new infrastructure. Do you think this will make our cities more livable? Like the outdoor office? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a part of, of the, the evolution of a city. You know, if a city can create, if, if a city can create something new of the, you know, the people living there, for example, if, if I live, I have my house uh, and I have my, my daily routines and suddenly the city provides something that creates a better life for me, a richer life for me. That is a smart city. That is something that, that, that I want to you know, live in and I would love to be live, keep on living there. I, I don't need to move anywhere else. So a smart city is is a city that can create those, you know, opportunities and and you know just you know for people to have a, a greater life, uh, you know, for a long period of time. Yeah, very very interesting uh, reflection, Nicholas. And I think this is this conversation is very valuable, like between urban planners, architects, interior designers, because in the end, it's about all of us, not only about urban planners. Absolutely. I mean, everything is connected, you know, uh, and, and, it, and it's and it's gonna get more connected. Uh, the more uh, as every day goes on, we're gonna realize that more and more things are even more connected. You know, it's not the silo thinking that we have had before that you create an office building for your company and it's community gated and everything. You know, it's you're gonna realize that you're missing out. Uh, so I think that the, the openness feeling of things is going to create more connections and and uh, create a better you know way of living and a better work life balance for everyone. But I think things are gonna gonna get more connected, even though we you know if we don't see it right now. Exactly, me too. So again, a big thanks for sharing all the, the interesting ideas and experiments that you're doing. And now we are in the final section of this episode, which will be more about you, because it's very important for me in the podcast to highlight the people behind the business as well. So let's start with the first question. If you will choose to be an animal, which animal will you choose to be and why? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I think I would be a colorful, annoying parrot. <laughs> Why? Um, because that's, that's a lot of my personality. I think. <laughs> annoying? Annoying. Well, yeah, you know, 
you know, a little bit bitchy, a little bit you know, annoying <laughs> asking, uh, you know, questions where people don't want to hear him or <laughs> yeah. pushing uh, boundaries. Uh, you know, it could be in, in, in a lot of levels, of course. Um, but yeah, that I, I think uh, a colorful parrot, I think that's me. Yeah. It's important that you, you mentioned the colorful as well, not... Yeah, because I think um, you know colors is is life, uh, and I and I love life in general. And uh, I think it it you know colors brings brings life to things, you know. So yeah, that's true. And what motivates you to do what you do? Um, I think uh, it's a combination of uh, perceiving goals that I set up for myself in my own mind. Um managing to uh, push boundaries to actually prove, you know, my surrounding of people and the environment that things are possible if you just put your head into it. Um, and then bring uh, new life to things that no one expected. That is very, very intriguing for me. That, that brings me up in the morning. That's amazing. And I want also to to hear your reflections. I get sometimes comments from the listeners that they say, when you interview the CEOs, they talk a lot about leadership, you can change the world and so on, maybe because they are in a very high position. But what do you think? Can the other people do that as well? Of course. I mean, just because I have the title of being the CEO of this company doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, fixing the toilet if it's plunged, you know, or plugged, you know, I mean... Um, I think I, I am everyone. I am, you know, just a single guy that grew up in the suburb of Helsingborg in a concrete ghetto that just had ideas. It's, it's, um, I, I didn't, I didn't fall into the CEO position. I, I grew into it. So, you know, everyone, it's just, you know, bring on the, whatever you have of interest and and do it and perceive and don't wait for anybody that's uh, that's my perception of things yeah so it doesn't matter if you're a child or a student or a new employee no at all not at all absolutely not i mean uh, if you have dreams if you have ideas and and if you see possibilities in things go for it that's that's what i've done in my whole life you know it's uh, and a lot of times you do stupid mistakes and and you fail big time and but that is also you know how you learn how to ride a bike it's it's of the 100 times of falling you know that's how you learn to do things so i think i only get better of just throwing me things into different ideas and projects and companies and whatever it is you know you only get better of doing it so i think it's you know don't take no for an answer just go yeah, exactly. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. It sounds like a Nike commercial, but yeah, good both. <laughs> no, because I also believe that the idea worth nothing if you don't work on it. If you're just if it's just there on a paper and that's it. I mean, a lot of people. I meet a lot of people coming up to me saying that, "Oh, I have all these great ideas." But yeah. I'm, what least. I'm actually hearing is that a lot of people come and say, "Oh, I have the winning lottery, but I haven't failed it in. I haven't <laughs> filled it in yet." <laughs> it's like it's not a good idea until you have done it and you know proof of concept so 
you know, a lot of people run around and have good ideas, but it's a good idea when you have proven that it is a good idea. So, so you need to stick your fingers, you know, in the dirt and actually do the work. Uh, and that's why I say, you know, they don't take no for an answer. Just go and just do it. Exactly. That's really, really inspiring. And Nicholas, do you have time to, to, to do your hobbies? <laughs> well, you're, 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 you're laughing. Yeah. Well, time, you know, how much more time do we have to talk about time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, my hobbies is to, you know, innovate, you know, that's a, one of my big hobbies. Another hobby is, of course, to just, you know, hang around with my family and, you know, have a good time and travel. Traveling is a huge, huge hobby to do that with my family because I get a lot of inspiration of traveling. And then I DJ a lot. Music is a huge inspiration for me also. Um, I've been DJing for 20 years or something, and that's something that I don't do out professionally anymore, but I do it in, you know, bedroom DJing and listening to music <laughs> is a huge inspiration. And that's all those th things is combined into what I do in my professional life. So my hobbies, I try to combine them into my, my life in general, you know, and so it's not that I have a certain time of doing my hobbies. It's just my hobbies is my life in general, you know. That's amazing. But Nicholas, how about like you DJ the opening ceremonies, Superlab H22? Bring it on. I'll do it. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the last two questions, the first one is going to be you give me and the listeners three takeaway messages. My first takeaway message would definitely be um, if you have a crazy idea, even though if you, um, you know, are doubting yourself, uh, go for it anyways. Um, because you're gonna learn so much in the process that's gonna bring you to um, whatever goal you have in your life. The, it's it's the path of different things that are going to bring you to whatever it is you're going to do. My third message, my second message uh, would be to don't wait on anybody. It's the biggest mistake I've ever done is that I, oh, I have this great idea. I'm going to do it with so-and-so and I'm just going to wait on them when they're ready. Because then the timing is off and your inspiration level when that one is in its highest peak, that's when you need to do it, whatever it is. So don't wait on anybody. And then my third last one would be make sure that you're having fun in the same time. Because the minute your gut feeling is you're stressed, whatever it is, drop out, cut, cut whatever cords uh, you have attached to things and drop it right away because it's only going to lead to stress and the project's not going to be good enough and it's going to not going to be in the level that you want it to be to just you know the minute you're stop you stop having fun cut it out of your life right away wow thank you so much really really inspiring and the, the last one was so interesting like stress leads to, to stress fun leads to fun yeah very Easy. very simple but hard to follow yeah 
<laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the last question is going to be you asking us, because I ask so many questions now. And now it's your time to ask the, me and the listeners a question, so we reflect about an answer. So my question would be, um, what happens when the digital world becomes an equal social and professional phenomenon in our life combined to the physical world? Because that's the way we're heading. If you look at all the trending topics that's going on around what, uh, what's happening, um, what, what will our future life look like when the physical and digital will be equal to our, our lives, basically? So interesting. Well, great question. Nicholas, thank you so much for giving your valuable time to record this episode. And I'm very happy to talk to you and we'll be more than happy to see you in Helsinki during the H22 Expo. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in physical space. Well, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. You learned something new and also got inspired by the guest. Don't forget to share the episode on your social media and recommend it to people you think they are really interested in this topic. Thank you so much again for giving your valuable time to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif. Keep up the good work. Keep loving cities.